welcome to this new episode of the Divine Comedians podcast. I'm your host, Paula Wiseman, and today I'm lucky enough to be chatting with writer, comedian, actor, musician, and Irish legend, Paul Woodfall. So, hey, Paul, great to be chatting with you today. Yeah, good to talk to you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Paul. Um, so, yeah, you've made an effort for us today. You're, you're yeah, I have. Uh, I mean, you did, yeah, that's uh, my gold sticky bow. Gold feathered sticky bow. I don't know if you can know, see I'm, it. I'm very I don't know whoever you. dreamt these things up, <laughs> whoever got the notion. <laughs> I, I'd be kind of interested in meeting them, possibly. Yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. <laughs> or, no, you're, my, you're my first guest that's made a proper effort for the podcast, you know. Oh, so, right, um, okay, God. Big, big props mm. for that. <laughs> Mm. So let's start off by going back in back in time to Dublin in the late fifties. What was the what was young Paul Woodfall like? Were you a quiet kid or quite boisterous? Um, I, I'm told I was quite quiet. You know, like generally speaking, that I was regarded as quiet in school, kind of thing. And you know, as a young kid, my mother would have said, uh, kind of jokingly, uh, "Street angel, house devil," but. I, I don't now she seems to say I wasn't so bad but she did say I was kind of hyper I think they now think I probably had ADHD or something oh, wow I'd say it's probably true actually you know but uh you know a bit hyper but uh yeah apparently drawing used to calm me down that's what so my mother would get me to draw and uh apparently it used to get calm me down so uh maybe that's what's wrong now I haven't been drawing in recent years <laughs> So, uh, uh, so maybe I have to think about that, but uh, yeah, and uh, but yeah, I mean the the fifties in Ireland, we we weren't uh, wealthy. Uh, kind of what I suppose in England they'd call a two up, two down. Uh, that sort of house that we lived in with my father, mother, and my uncle, and then there was three of us, three children, and then my brother came along eleven years after me. So he was kind of I was kind of well on my way to growing by the time he came but uh yeah. although that's the same brother who i did a lot of stuff with over the years the joshua trio and all that kind of thing but um yeah it was kind of like my memory of ireland then was that it was in black and white like like the footage would be that's what i remember yeah. you know the early up until i i don't know what time it seems to me that the world if you, if you took that time from about 1963 to 73 you know with glam rock and everything like that the world completely changed like you would it was unrecognizable like just all the men wore suits and and you know even even like my father who was a carpenter at that time and you know they wore suits to work and you know that type of thing and yeah 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 that that was my memory of it being very young you know at home my life was pretty pleasant at home you know um mother or father very much there all the time and you know um traditional enough you know really catholic family school was a different matter now when i eventually went to school that was the christian brothers and all that kind of thing oh wow yeah that was uh (laughs) a baptism of uh fire and brimstone you know so uh yeah, the home life was good. A lot of t- TV watching. A lot of my most pleasant memories are of watching TV. I don't know. I, I don't know how, from when I was very young, what I watched. Bill and Ben, The Flower Pot Men or something. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, Huckleberry Hound was... Uh, yeah, yeah. 
remember him and uh, probably Yogi Bear. <laughs> My memory is pretty, I'm surprised I'm remembering this much, but, um, you know, and yeah, and I, I, I didn't go out that much. I lived on a main road and luckily as I grew older, there was a field across the way which we were able to play in, but at that time it was ploughed and there was crops there for some reason. Yeah. But it was these priests kind of had a place there and it was their kind of place. But so I, we didn't really mix. So I played with my sisters as a young kid most of the time, really. So that was the very young time. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing. Whether, you're, whether your childhood is kind of like what you were like as a kid sometimes kind of moulds into what you, what you become as an adult. I, th- I think I, you know, we had this room that called, there was the room that everything happened in. We, we, we didn't, like, we didn't, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty basic. Uh, you know, we didn't really have a kitchen, we just scullery, you know, that was the sort of thing. But we had this room, and I just remember we all watched TV in this room, but the yeah. dinner was in there. And then there was this other room where there was just full of junk, but I spent a lot of time in there. So I, I, kind of think that was a very imaginative time so I just imagine all these different things so I did have that memory that aside from playing with my sisters there was a lot of just making up my own world in there so I I think that might be something to say yeah yeah it's obviously flowed into your into your adult life so I mean you went to uh, NCAD the National College of Art and Design so what was the what was the grand plan Um, you obviously had a creative streak yeah, well, the grand plan came after a long time. I was I was twenty six by the time I went to NCAD. Like before that, I, I I left school, didn't do well in school really. I got an honour in art, which we didn't do art in the school, so that was uh, sort of a, <laughs> a bit of a surprise on that, on, that, on that time. You know, they didn't do music, they didn't do art, uh, just about anything didn't do comedy uh, <laughs> um so they just about nothing they taught me was of that much value um, yeah yeah I didn't know where every river and the industries of most towns in Ireland which wasn't much use as I as I often said with all the gigs I did I'd have been better learning where the 24-hour garages were <laughs> um but like after school I got it I kind of didn't know where I was really I you know very naive I, I got into macrobiotics which was this sort of diet that was pretty extreme you you, you a, a kind of a vegetarian diet that was based on yin and yang and all this it was wow. kind of big enough in the uh, mid-70s apparently Malcolm McLaren was into it and um there are people still into it apparently but anyway um I was doing that but then punk came along and I kind of got into the punk thing in Dublin um, around 1978, 77, 78. And I was in this, what we might say was a punk band called the Skank Mooks, which people talk about in a kind of legendary way, but actually really it wasn't really a band at all, you might say. Like, um, you know, it was a few gigs done, you know, with certain people and it was a very small scene. So Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was kind of, it, it was quite liberating though, the punk thing, because you know, before that, I was probably playing acoustic guitar, playing Eagle songs on the acoustic guitar or something. And, you know, and then this came along and it did seem, whoa, God, you can actually get up on stage and yeah. people look at you and it's quite exciting and all of that. So I was in, 
punk bands and I was in that. I, I, I worked as a draftsman at that time, a trainee draftsman. I was more or less a trainee draftsman for the entire period of being a draftsman because I wasn't any good at it. I worked bizarrely, or well, not bizarrely, I don't know. I, I, I first worked for four years for Sinead O'Connor's father. Um, oh, wow. And I used to, I think, I think in fairness, he kind of realised I the draftsmanship wasn't my thing, but I used to end up bringing her brother home from school every day. Yeah. And another time I did actually bring her and her sister to uh, Stephen's Green um, as well. Uh, so <laughs> that was uh, that, but she, you know, she was obviously a lot younger than me, but or a good bit younger than me. Um, and yeah, so that was what I did for four years, but I was terrible at it, but I kind of somehow oddly thought that if I stuck with this that somehow it would work out eventually. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I was the period, the interview I, I, I was kind of doing music in different guises with different people uh, and then I was sort of on the dole for about two years, mm-hmm. sort of doing music but that didn't work out the particular thing I was doing and then I ended up going to NCD, you know it was after that I kind of thought oh there was a friend of mine who had done graphics there and I kind of thought, oh, I'll give that a go. I kind of like it. I was always kind of into drawing and art was what I was best at in school and all of that. That's why, in fact, everybody thought the draftsmanship would be good. But um, my drawings as a draftsman did look good, but the uh, all the measurements, it was basically a reinforced concrete draftsman. Oh, right. The architects would send these things and you to draw in where all the reinforce thing would go into the concrete kind of thing not very exciting <laughs> and uh, so i've become a, comp- a carpenter like your dad you know whether you would have followed in his- um, well my father he, he 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 was a carpenter at first and then he kind of rose through the ranks in the dublin corporation i mean it was bad in the 50s i mean he he had to go away to work in england yeah, yeah. He, he had no work and you know there was some terrible stories of you know him sleeping on the train and would have to work at eight o'clock the next morning in London and travel from Liverpool or whatever it be although he did uh, he worked in Liverpool at different things he 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 didn't like pop music really and he did say that um there were guys going down to the cavern to see the Beatles but he wasn't (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know, so he, yeah, he missed out on, on that one. <laughs> he, he did play music himself. He, he taught himself the piano right. to a quite reasonable standard. And he was good at drawing and he would do painting and, and could play the guitar a bit, actually. And then he did photography as well. And when he retired, he got more into that. And then he got into doing watercolours. He was, I think, um, somebody, dare I say it, gave up his dreams so that we could have our dreams. I, yeah. I that was true. I, I mean, he would have liked. He said he would like to have been what he used to say was a commercial artist, which I suppose we would call graphic designer later. Um, he did. You know, he his father died when he was two, and right. you know, and they weren't rich, and you know, so and his mother died when he was thirteen or fourteen or something. I nearly went into an orphanage, you know. So the you know, so it was pretty tough and he went I think he first left Ireland at 17 or 18 or whatever you know so that was uh yeah but but he did do well then eventually in the corporation he rose up through the ranks a bit and got 
to be an inspector, which I suppose most people don't know what that is really, but but carpentry wasn't what he wanted to do really. Yeah, but, yeah. You've obviously yeah. got your creative side from him though. Do you know what I mean? There's been obviously been a bit of osmosis there. Yeah, I think I think that's probably true. Um and um he was he was always very wary. My parents were both very wary because I had cousins who were in bands and things like this before me. One of them was in a band actually with Brian Downey from Thin Dizzy before Thin Dizzy, but they were wary. They were saying, "Oh God, you'll have a life you struggle." And of course, they were right about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, but like, do what you do. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm grateful that that they made it possible for me to do it. I, I would have said I got a lot of things from them. I mean, I often say, you know, I, I know other people and they talk about their house. What, what was it like? And you go to their houses and they're all probably more almost intellectual families, you know, quite academic and chatting and discussing things of the day and, or, you know, are very enthusiastically talking about everything where my memory is we just gave out all the time. <laughs> Apparently we gave out if you, even afterwards you go up to the house on a Sunday and they're giving yeah. out oh, God did you see who was on the late late show <laughs> I think most families are like that really behind closed doors there certainly was you know yeah a lot of giving out but but I mean I suppose comedy wise yeah my father did like comedy a lot you know all those and it was a golden era of sorts you know all those whatever faulty terrors and Ronnie Barker things and porridge and all of these kind of things. So I would have had a, it would have, we would have watched a lot of those things, yeah, you yeah. know, Doss and all these kind of people. And, you know, but yeah, so that, that was it. But then CD anyway, yeah, that was kind of, yeah, 1983 or four, I think I started, yeah, 383, I think I went to NCAD. Yeah. So that, that was liberate. I mean, that was a complete change uh, from having been fired from six different jobs in the intervening period I just assumed I would you know I was kind of oh god I you know I suppose I'll end up out of here as well they'll have me out of here you know I'll mess this up as well you know I was very untogether and you know not love pretty low self-esteem really but lo and behold it kind of was the opposite it so was not like the school I went to um it was dreadful really you know like you know corporal punishment all that kind of thing yeah it's about finding Um, your niche though isn't it do you know what I mean it's about you have to do a lot of jobs sometimes to get to where you're meant to be well it was true I I, although you you know thankfully I was fired because if I had to been I'm sure I would have just hung in there you know yeah you know and would have tried to do whatever I was going to do but I, I wouldn't have kind of had the confidence NCAD kind of made you just think about how what being creative is and and how difficult creativity is too yeah, that, yeah, exactly. you know, don't think this is easy or that you're not you've no talent at all because you're not coming up with loads of brilliant things yeah you know, that, you know this isn't easy necessarily so I think they did teach us that but they also more or less, I, I think uh, Steve Martin said that he went to art school, I think, and he said he just realised that you can do anything you want, really. You know, it, don't think about it being good or bad. Just do whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. And that's OK. And I think that was a big thing about what I got from there. I, I loved being an NCD and I was an officer there and, you know, made friends who I'd still be friends with and all of that kind of thing. And it was Great. And also I was doing music there. I met other musicians there. Um, yeah, it was, I, and it was great fun, really. It was, yeah, I loved 
the place really at the time and it, and it was probably more was freer then than it is now you know I think yeah yeah serious about these things I mean <laughs> and also there were a lot I, I you know when I worked in those jobs it seemed like I was the oddball I was a bit mad and Jesus what's the story with your man there like uh where there were a lot crazier people there assuring <laughs> but yeah I can remember gosh a project to design you know we to design these boxes and you know the idea was obviously to design them but I, I you were only designed one actually but I we were given the template or whatever and I remember then I did loads of different boxes and uh, one being Van Gogh's ear the box was painted yellow and I had made a plasticine ear and you know there were all these things and uh, it was nothing to do with the project but you know, they were very much Oh, that's great. God, that's, yeah. And another one, I, I do remember a board game where I designed a board game called AIDS, where people were, would, there were all these beds and it was very much at the start of them. <laughs> and, uh, wow. I'm sure afterwards, you know, it would have been pretty tasteless, but then it seemed like, it was, <laughs> kind of it still seemed like this sort of thing that was very far away or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it was of its uh, time. <laughs> it was of its time, yeah. yeah. And it got a few laughs at the time. Oh. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what memories do you have? Your, your first time on a stage in front of people. I mean, what, what, um, mem- what memories do you have of that? Well, that would have been going back to 1970. Yeah, your, your punk days. Yeah, um, that was probably the first time I was really on stage um, that, like, you know, so very exciting. And, you know, I would have, there was there was one band, you know, I, I was very fond of wearing makeup, really. That was one thing, like, you know, it seemed any opportunity to be, try and be David Bowie, I think, was yeah, uh, yeah. kind of something I was interested in. So makeup was worn. So the first time in Ireland, it seems you could probably wear makeup if you're a guy. So, yeah, great. And, uh, you know, so that I do remember that. And, you know, it being exciting. And, well, I remember that time being exciting because literally when you would go into town and you'd have this makeup on you, I can remember cars would stop. You know, it wasn't like <laughs> wow. now where you could kind of do. But, yeah, I mean, there was one gig where you two were meant to play it, actually. It was this St. Anthony's Hall. It's kind of talked about still in Dublin. Um, but the Virgin Prunes headlined it, and we were playing with this band that wasn't really a band. But, yeah, I do remember, yeah, there was the downside. Like, they were throwing light bulbs at us. Oh, my and, God. Uh, we kind of deserved it to an extent in as much as, you know, as anyone might deserve something like that and uh and they lit a fire in the middle of the hall as well during the Virgin Prune set so that was oh my god mad <laughs> no but, but generally speaking yeah I did like it I did like fronting it I mean I was into being a musician and I, you know I I learned the guitar at 12 years of age one of the Christian brothers taught us the guitar in fact I was taught the guitar playing Irish ballads, Irish rebel ballads. All the chords were learned about various Irish patriots who were who were <laughs> suffered at the hands of, of whatever. You know, this was kind of that. That was a big thing with the Christian brothers, like uh, you know. So yeah, it, had, it stood me in good stead later on when Indeed. I was doing uh, the Harry Verses and Ding Dong. You know, really, but yeah, yeah. So I mean, let's talk a little bit about you. You've got this very long, a long history of working with the, the amazing Arthur Matthews. Yeah. Um, how did you how did you meet initially? 
when I was in NCAD, I, I applied for a job in Hot Press and um, I'm still actually going there. It was a kind of a part-time job and I applied because that was kind of the sort of area I wanted to get into in graphic yeah, design. Yeah. And Arthur was art director. And so Arthur and the editor, Niall Stokes, and his wife, Maureen, they interviewed me. So Arthur was interviewing me and all the rest of it. And, you know, and I was going to be working alongside him. And yeah, so I got the job and um, that was it. We, we for two, two and a half years, we were both standing beside each other, uh, working, uh, laying out the magazine. Uh, they didn't even call it design, really, which was fair enough, uh, really, but layout, we, we were called. So Arthur, and it was like the best fun you could imagine. Well, I mean, there was other very funny and talented people in this room, the production room, as it would have been called. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Damien Corliss, Liam Fay, the, who writes in the Sunday Times, George Bourne, who was legendary. In yeah, Ireland. indeed. So this was who was in this room, basically. So it was the maddest time, really. <laughs> and, uh, but Arthur, yeah, I mean, it was a dream. I mean, he was, it's surprising for somebody so successful that for, for someone to be so laid back and so on the face of it, unambitious, like, he was not, he was really laid back, like, yeah, um, yeah. just like, kind of, uh, you know, everything was, cool. uh, you know, everything was just, you know, having a bit of a laugh, really, and even, th and that was reflected even in the way the thing was laid out, like, I mean, there there would be layouts we do where we do these jokes, but it was, it was laid out on tracing paper, it was pretty primitive now, <laughs> at that time, and uh, not now, I would say, of course, it looks fantastic now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but th these pages would be put into a box, and the deadline, it was always late for the deadline, uh, so the editor would be chasing this van <laughs> to bring it to the printers down in Kerry which was uh, the other end of the country yeah yeah and mm -hmm. um so if there was a page that we did something particularly mad in and it might be some look what I did here Arthur I did this mad thing I did an overlay of this okay hang on I'll hide that page <laughs> so he'd hide the page and then it would come out and everything and the editor like, Jesus <laughs> the hell did that get in there and it would be Arthur, <laughs> you know, Arthur would have hidden it. I, I remember he did, I, I've told this story a few times to people, but like, I, it was the very first weekend and I kind of knew this was going to work out quite well. Like, Because he was like my boss kind of thing, Arthur, in a sense. Um, but it was never like that. Like, but, um, and he, 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 I got the, I was doing this ad and it was this band and there was one guy in the band, it was a sort of a silhouette, a black, and white line shot I suppose they used to call them in those days and uh, the, one of the people in the band had a kind of a broken hooked nose and Arthur says um, yeah you know what we should do with that, we'll straighten out that nose <laughs> for no reason on this guy uh, uh, in the, in the uh, and I said really Jesus well then I'm, he's never going to complain that uh, <laughs> <laughs> never going to complain that he straightened his nose so it would be no problem <laughs> so this was it so the ad went in with this guy's nose straightened and it was just the maddest thing and I remember thinking how oh, this was going to be fun like uh, and, it, and it was I mean 
that was where this thing that we did, the Joshua Trio, which was this band that we put together, um, you know, basically, it might have seemed like a tribute band, but it was a, a making fun of you too, really, a parody <laughs> band where I was like sort of like a prophet who claimed that Bono had appeared to me in a dream and asked them to play you two songs in different styles. And Graham, of course, Linehan was working there at the same time as well. And, you know, so... I got my brother in to play bass and that was it. And we just, we, we used to be, I used to be singing U2 songs in different styles in swing styles and bossa nova <laughs> type styles. Kind of, we were always making fun of U2. U2 were sort of sacred in hot press at the time, really, because, well, for one thing, if they were on the cover, they'd sell about twice as many yeah. magazines. Yeah. So we could kind of see where there was a certain reverence towards them. But, but we were we were kind of like children in school because of that. We were just making fun of you two all the time. Um, and so we'd be just making fun of Bono and, you know, and singing these songs. And then Arthur just says, yeah, we must go in and rehearse them. We'll go in and do. And, and we did this. And, and then we did this gig supporting a band. And on the eve of it, I decided to wear a Jesus robe. Uh, and it was... <laughs> and thorns actually and a little pendant like uh, funny enough I was obsessed with that cult that was in Wild Wild Country on Netflix I don't know the bag one and you know that yeah yeah but at that time so they had used to have little pictures of uh, the bag one and I did one with Bono on it you know <laughs> so that was where that idea came from I'd seen a documentary I think on World in Action on them or something like this uh, but anyway so that was it and then that was the start of really getting into comedy in any sense. And and Arthur, you know, Arthur was the drummer, but, the, but it was sort of half a band. Like there would be sketches in the middle of the shows and everything else. And, you know, Graham would be involved in those as well. You know, maybe as the Joshua Tree or something like this. There was all these different things going on in it, you know. Um, the, and... So it, it was just this kind of fun thing. And then at the same time, we were also, we also had this sketch troupe that we were putting together, me, Graham and Arthur, called The Fun Bunch. And it only did a couple of gigs, really. Um, we One supporting Jeremy Hardy, actually. Oh, wow. There, yeah. And uh, so, but yeah, they, they were sketches, one of which character Father Ted appeared in. Um, that was Arthur. Arthur used to do this character kind of, I would have said, he was more camp than Father Ted in the series. He, I, I'd never really seen anybody doing camp priests before that, really. But Arthur used to kind of do this. But Arthur had two uncles who were who were priests so he was quite obsessed with priests and so so he would do this character all the time in there and I had this other character that I used to do that used to support the Joshua Trio as well called Tony St. James and that was like a bad cabaret singer that he would sing, sing out of tune and out of time on purpose kind of thing and um, so Arthur, I, 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 but that started doing gigs on its own as well, you know. And Arthur would come out as Father Ted in the middle of that and do a sermon. And so, you know, and, and he would talk about Dougal Maguire 
it was different. You know, he yeah, did yeah. Was this priest that he knew that was in Africa, who was about the most voted the most unpopular priest in Africa. <laughs> and, yeah, in fact, I'm sure there's aspects of it uh, um, might not kind of escape the uh, woke police at the moment. But, uh, <laughs> it was all pretty innocent. Um, you know, there, there was, I, I remember him getting booed, you know, people shouting at him because they thought he was a real priest at one time. <laughs> he, he had this portable confession box that he brought around, you know, you know, so that was all around that, you know, sort of, I suppose, 88 to, yeah, about, about 87 to 80, but maybe 1990, that sort of things. That was when that was kind of going on, you know. Yeah, that was the start of my friendship with Graham and Arthur, or sorry, Arthur and Graham, really. But Arthur, yeah, yeah. obviously, was, was who I was working with most closely. So that was who I became very friendly with, really. I mean, you know, and over the years, that has kind of maintained. I mean, all through Arthur's great successes, he was, he was very much, he always wanted to move back to Dublin. He was never quite happy in London and yeah, yeah. he would come back and he was still basically hung out with the same people really he'd come back here and you know he'd meet all of us and a lot of that gang who worked in that room actually in fact that bunch we always meet at Christmas for a, you know there's a lunch as well that we would all meet still but I mean I, 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 yeah I would have seen Arthur just regularly and when we used to tour we he left the Joshua Trio but the Joshua Trio continued on and but I used to spend time with him and Graham over there uh, when they were sharing a flat in Kilbourne and yeah yeah kind of thing and in Bounds Green or was it Woods Green would that direction or whatever as well you know so I would have seen them around that time and and then obviously they went on and did Father Dead, which was yeah. obviously well, we know how enormous that was. Indeed, um, indeed. I mean, well, there's obviously a like mindedness between you and Arthur. Do you know what I mean? You're obviously on the same the same wavelength. So the, the successes you've had over the years. Do you know what I mean? Like IKEA yeah, was a case in point. Yeah, well, I mean, we did work on different things. Like when he came back to Ireland, there was a radio series he worked on, Looning Live, which was sort of a phone in show. We, we would have come from the same era, both yeah. probably traditional Catholic families you know he didn't go to the Christian Brothers he I, he went to boarding school um, which I don't know much about I, I know that he wasn't very happy about it mm. and he doesn't really talk about it uh, but um, you know so that would have been different but you know we would have had the same I mean the church was very much present in yeah. our lives in the 70s you know like the youth club that was across the road from me, um, you know, was run by these other priests who are the brothers, uh, the Marist fathers, who are more, yeah. they weren't like Christian brothers, really, they're more easygoing or liberal. But I, I really liked my time there in the youth club. And, you know, we did drama and also the guitar and music in there. So that was where I got a lot of that. But, but we, you know, like just playing and playing the guitar and folk masses and all of this kind of thing you know but this was sort of like very much your life in the 70s I think yeah. Graham was probably coming you know he came late you know he was a uh, younger so you know he didn't I don't think he knew that world in the same way that we yeah. knew you know but yeah so it was like in fact I, it was weird because I did a gig in the TED Fest with Joe Rooney uh, doing the Harry Bowsies yeah. and it was weird being on the Aran Islands 
and just all these people dressed as priests. And I, I kind of thought, this is what it was like around where I lived when I was young. <laughs> Because there were all these trainee priests across the road, you know. (laughs) You know, I'm sure there was more priests in that in that uh, building than there are than there are now, you know, of a certain age at all. Yeah, yeah, probably. So much, but um, yeah. So we 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 knew that world, but like we worked on that, and we worked on. And then he, my first introduction into writing comedy would have been, he got me to do some things in Big Train, the second series of Big Train. Amazing series. You know, so that was kind of like my first, you know, I had a handful of sketches in it. And so that was the first one. I I can't remember it was before that Looning Live or after it. I think it was before it actually, the Big Train, a couple of things. And then... Yeah, I mean, he obviously saw something in you to yeah. have you, you write also, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, also we just get on. Yeah. Well, yeah, as well. I mean, even, yeah. even other things, you know, like we did work on a TV series, Val Falvey, which didn't do well here. I, I think it was ill-timed. It was written before the crash and it was sort of a light-hearted poke at Irish politicians and then suddenly the crash came and everyone hated Irish politicians. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, Ardell. Ardell was in that, wasn't he? Yes, he was, yeah. And um, so um certainly came at a strange time, but that, that was one we worked on. But also I was working on this series called Stew in Ireland, which Arthur was, you know, script editing, but he wrote sketches in that as well, you know. So we were working on that a good bit, but, generally speak and I I don't know I I would have just seen him a lot as well and I still do we we go for well during with COVID and everything we were going for walks in the uh, Phoenix Park he he has a little dog now and uh, so the dog uh, (laughs) Arthur and his dog uh, walking getting drenched on the last occasion (laughs) Um, you know so yeah go but I mean Generally speaking, working with them did seem to be easy and sort of yeah. fun. Um, he's much more laid back than I am. I, I would be much more, you know, overthinking everything and, you know, doing 10 different versions of things yeah. and all yeah. uh, to get, you know, to get it right. But, you know, he's quite like, well, it is, a, well, if people wonder what it's like, there is something, even though, you know, he would be one of my best friends, you know, there is something awe-inspiring about Arthur. I, I've never known anyone where he just seems to pluck ideas out of thin air. Yeah, I, yeah. I always think with my ideas or whatever, or other people's ideas, and I'm not saying these other people wouldn't be talented. They would be very gifted in many cases, mm. you know, or in some cases, I haven't worked with many, many people who are very talented, but... You, I, I always feel like oh, you can see where I got that idea. Oh, you can see. But you're looking at Arthur and he just he comes out with something and you just say, where on earth? <laughs> where? How? Everything's so original, isn't it? You it know. just so intuitive. Like, it's just so intuitive like that he that he just clucks these amazing ideas uh, out, out of thin air, it seems. And... Um, and then this whole vision he has of the world, you know, you know, all that, you know, it's obviously evident. Everybody knows it, but all that thing, the way he has the characters have funny names, you know, like in um, 
toast the way they all have funny names but this is something he was he when we were in hot press he used to do this with uh priest's names and and this is kind of a bizarre thing that he had uh the priest's names are priests have particularly odd kind of names it's like the either the surname or the christian name is sort of more upper class more english and maybe the and the other is more traditional Irish, uh, so it, it it might be. Um, I don't know. He used a lot of actual actual names, didn't he? For oh, he did. For yeah, a lot, a lot of the priests. <laughs> but if you took my name Woodful, which is obviously very English, you know, he might have stick, you know, Eamon Woodful, Father Eamon Woodful, <laughs> or Fintan uh, Fintan Bartholomew, you know. <laughs> But it is, to us, it seemed really funny, but it was true. You'd see, you know, the priests, they, they tended to come from, you know, well-off enough backgrounds, so they would have names like Cecil. You know, <laughs> they're not going to have Anto, you know, or, you know, they're not, you know they, they don't have that working class kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or, you know, there, would, there wouldn't be many Garys or Terrys, <laughs> you know, that kind of people in mind. They don't have Minder-type names. You know, uh, you know, and uh, they'd, so they would have a lot of the time. Yeah, it, it might be. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. There were a few Liams in there, weren't there? I think over the years. Yes, that, yeah, they would have maybe traditional Irish kind of names, all right. But but it would be Liam. But then there might be uh, this. this, this, this <laughs> then there was those mad names that he had in Toast as well. But he he's done that in almost everything he's done. He's had he gives the characters mad names. Um, uh, and, you know, in Val Falvey even, you know, well, Val Falvey's a kind of funny one because Val is a kind of unusual name, you know. So, but that's nearly the same idea of a mixture of uh, a sort of a posh ne- Christian yeah. name, kind of uh, more... Signature move, obviously, with the names. <laughs> you know, but, um, I almost qualify, but Paul, it's not quite uh, Irish. You know, <laughs> Father Liam Woodfull probably would have been okay Woodful doesn't seem a very priest type name i think for some reason and none of my relations are priests uh although my father went to be a priest but was rejected i think for being from i think uh too humble a background um, yeah i mean your track record is crazy i mean obviously we spoke about the joshua trio mm. aikino was huge 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 Ding Dong, Denny O'Reilly, the Harry Bowsies with a uh, friend mm. of the podcast, Joe Rooney. Um, yes. Plus, mm. you, you did a few episodes of Father Ted, obviously, through your connection with Arthur. Yeah. Um, plus, you were part of the, the, the Father Ted musical, which I don't know which, with, whether we're talking about, <laughs> with uh, another, yeah. friend of the, another friend of the podcast, Neil Hannon. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, how, do you think it'll ever see the light of day? I don't know. I don't know at this point. It, it, uh, what I could probably say is... It is possible. Yeah, it's nice um, to think it will. It is possible. I know people have been hearing that it isn't possible, but I, my understanding is it is possible, but it won't be down to any decision I make. No, <laughs> no, no, no. No, obviously, I think if <laughs> I object or anything, I feeling it might go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, you know, just imagine I could see how it could happen. Yeah, but I mean, looking back on every your career, do you have a favourite out of all your your characters or the you know? Um, the do you have a favourite? I say um, the most fun thing 
to do, which was probably less of a creative thing. Being in this band, we had a glam rock sort of tribute band, which was kind of comedy-ish, like it was sort of a bit more than just that, but it was a tribute band. It was another excuse for me to wear makeup, which of course <laughs> was always that was great fun because we gigged all the time and the particular lineup, it was great fun doing it. Um in terms of on stage, what was most fun to do was probably actually Tony St. James because it was great fun for the band because you were singing out a tune and it was very loose and yeah, um, yeah. and you just had great fun with the other members of the band. And also there was this thing where to go out of time, uh, which does happen with, you know, you'd see it really bad wedding singers or whatever <laughs> and so I would deliberately try and knock the band out of time I would jump in a bar early and so you would knock them out and that would be deliberate so it was very fun to do that and um, Ding Dong Denny seemed probably very satisfying as a thing to have done yeah I mean a uh, flow river flow still brings a tear to my eye right yeah <laughs> I mean it was it is like in terms of the gigs the gigs were you know could you know there were great gigs you know where you know where it would just all just seemed to slot into place it was quite scary at times i do remember you know you you would get grief and you would get people walking out you know I, I found it odd. There was one gig I did and there was 15 English people walked out of it. Uh, and it kind of can, it's actually, we're not, it's not having a go at you, actually. If you, if you look carefully here, really, it's kind of, uh, you know, it, it probably was, was born out of my um, upbringing, which was the Christian Brothers was, would ram Republicanism down your throat. Yeah. Republicanism. Yeah. You know, every, you know, we were we were told that if we didn't speak Irish when we left, we were nothing but slaves to Britain. That was in sixth year. We were told that we were also told that the, the Israelis freed their country, freed their minds first and then their country. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, could see how we might have provided. This was the kind of uh, things we were told in school. And but, you know, but in Ireland, we we freed our country, but we never freed our minds. Uh, this is uh, the kind of thing that, um, you know, like, you know, so, uh, you know, that would have been my, you know, rebelling against that kind of thing, I suppose, you know. Um, yeah. I thought he was oh, quite free in character as well. Do you know what I mean? Because you could literally do not, whatever you wanted to. But it was an odd kind of thing, because, you know, I was obviously an extreme kind of thing, but then I kind of had an affection for the character as well, like that I, I sort of, in a kind of a way, you know, you, you know, this character, he obviously was from a certain kind of background and, you know, had a rough and you kind of see why he might be as he is. You know, I suppose this is what happens. And also there was certain things you, you probably changed your mind about slightly. And um, but it was uh, it was so not like me. I mean, also, but like it worked very well for me in a comedy sense because I remember, you know, other forays into uh, doing stand, you know, I, I never really did stand up, but, you know, comedy gigs would be comedy music and that kind of thing. I remember Joe Rooney, who, I, you know, I, I did a number of different different things with, you know, would 
you know, ha had this kind of cute persona where, you know, he'd be on stage. He's so likable and, <laughs> you know, would do that. And, 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 you know, and he's a little shy, Joe. Yeah. You know, but I'd be a bit shy. And so I, I tried to affect that persona. It never worked for me. Like, I think it was kind of people, you know, yeah, right. You're shy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You look at, you, you know, I look too grumpy. Basically, I think what's that resting bitch face thing? That <laughs> I, I unfortunately have that thing. If it's still okay to say resting bitch, face. <laughs> you know. But um, but uh, if it's it is, I I would be one of those people. And um, you know, so being a grumpy character really worked for me. Like you know, the given out was kind of you know was worked. And also in that series, Stew, mind you, the character I did. I tended to do the characters that were very grumpy and that they work best and a grumpy wizard, you know, who kind of fixed up, you know, supernatural things that went wrong and he'd just give out like as if he was, a kind <laughs> of you know, just like some kind of handyman calling around to fix, do a bit of plumbing or something, you know, <laughs> that kind of, you know, but that anything like that, I, I was kind of good at it. Mind you, it is kind of funny that idea of how, if you have a certain persona, you, you won't get away with certain things. And like, it, it was so evident, like I used to do, we did the hairy bowsies and I did ding dong. So obviously there was, a, you know, two things worked. Yeah, but yeah. It's kind of funny. There were songs that we would do as the hairy bowsies and, you know, they'd go down really well. And then I did a couple of these when it wasn't the hairy bowsies and they wouldn't really work because... Joe's character kind of lightened them up in some kind of way. Like, you know, there was something about they just let him away with this. Yeah, and they yeah, yeah. Away, you know, that kind of way. But then again, I suppose, you know, I, I was able to bring that grumpy given out thing, you know, which wouldn't be as easy for him, I suppose. You know, I don't know. So there's that. I mean, the most successful, I, I suppose, Aikino today was mm. the most successful, really. Yeah, um, oh, it was huge. It was absolutely yeah. massive. And um, it's kind of funny. I, it, it's an odd thing that I always end up doing a mixture of music and comedy. And um, I have done serious music as well. I did bring out a, an ambient album under this title, Aircraft of Tomorrow. Well, it was a, a kind of this graphic designer. Well, he's an artist really now. In fact, he's doing pretty well uh, doing screen printing. Alistair Keady at the moment um but he was doing the the visuals and we did this and this was something uh my sister died and i kind of think i kind of had this idea you know she died in 2016 and it kind of yeah i i i remember thinking i i think i probably did the serious album because i got out of god you know i always wanted to do this i better do this mm. and do it and um but this most recent sort of thing I've been doing is probably a mixture of there is like well what I've done so far is somewhat comedic but you know I, I there is sort of proper songs or songs that aren't funny but then I never seem to get away from the humorous thing as well even amongst all these things I've written there's these though there's some humorous ones and then there's some serious ones I don't know I, I, I always wondered about that with Randy Newman he was so lucky to get away with that that he could do these very serious songs but then he was also able to do 
kind of comedy songs as well and and I don't know if it's as easy nowadays to get away with doing that I mean Tim Minchin is kind of done you know so maybe you can but uh but then he did a serious album he didn't do what Randy Newman did where he'd have serious songs alongside comedic ones I suppose but yeah just do what you want to do Paul you know yeah I know (laughs) it seems I do you know so Stuff everyone else, just do what you want to do at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, well, it's kind of, I suppose, yeah, there was no, yeah, I suppose there was, it is funny to look at it. And, and Arthur would definitely say this. It is funny to see it in the case of Arthur as well. There's no, there was no grand plan there, you yeah. know, you know, and there was no grand plan with me, just kind of happened into this in a way, you know. Certainly have been interested in it and was into music and all of that kind of thing, but. You know, it's sort of like you just fell into something. Then another thing occurred to you. Then you ended up doing that. And maybe then you, you meet, you know, I think Joe and I, you know, even doing the Harry Bells, he's that, there was this TV program called The End that Barry Murphy um, used to host. And he and he kind of said to Joe and I, oh, would you be into doing a song on the show? And I think we just got together and we did an Irish ballad. Yeah, yeah. Um, called ourselves the Harry Bowsies. I think we were nearly in reception in RTE and we thought up the name, you know, and that was <laughs> for that. And then that went down kind of well. And then we kind of said, oh, we must write more of those. Um, and now we did, you know, um, and that was it. it. You know, like, well, you know, that will be just an example. And the Joshua Tree, we were just yeah, in yeah. around and, you know, we just said, oh, we give these a go. And we were on TV about a week after we put that thing together because we did this gig. And because we knew all these journalists, you know, it was kind of the word spread. And one of them wrote about it in the paper. Oh, wow. I think loads of people wanted to have a go at you too, really. But there was um, there, was, there was this idea... Uh, what, what was you know that they all got they used to get flown over to New York and things to yeah. see you when the album would be launched so they didn't really want to annoy you too <laughs> so but they could annoy them through through us yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, so I think that was how we got lucky with that in a way and um or I think well George Bourne had a brilliant quote in in terms of his relationship with you too he someone said I thought you hated you two. And he said, what was it? Just He said, well, what can I say about you two? I wouldn't cross the street to see them, but I would cross the Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so but that, that was, again, I think probably the way a lot of journalists were. I, I don't think it's that everybody hated you two or anything, but it was just that messianic aspect to Bono. Yeah, and, yeah. The reverence everybody had towards him, and, and um, it was just ripe for taking the fun. <laughs> really, like I can remember on a World in Action documentary with you two, and just Bono so serious at the time, and and I did vaguely know Bono back in the late seventies because he was part of that punk scene, obviously. Yeah, and I haven't yeah. seen you two playing. I saw them in the Dandelion twice. I saw them in the Project Arts, and um, and like. Like they even came to one of the the gigs of this thing. It was like this little scene. It was very much like the comedy scene when it started in Dublin. You know this kind of new wavy punky scene. But I mean, obviously, I had you know they were. I didn't see them after that gig 
around that time. And then so and then we started making fun of them just after the Joshua tree. Um so I think, you know, um so that was, you know, so that but it was um Yeah, you were you were pioneers. <laughs> yeah, like but it was uh it just seemed and it was so easy. I mean there was all that around that time with the Joshua tree, that was when they were most and rattling home. The, yeah, it was yeah. Just, all of that stuff he'd be saying, you know, and all the little speeches and, you know, about Bishop Tutu and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. you know, it was kind of, it was really just a laugh. I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, again, it wasn't a plan. It was no, uh, you know, that we felt it was really important that it wasn't like, it was that crowd negative land who did this. It was sort of like some sort of art project about kind of, having a go at you too or you know was it was more just it seemed like it was a bit of a laugh and, <laughs> uh, and yes yeah, yeah so. but I mean you're, you're a bit of a chameleon but you know everything you've done has been different <laughs> over the years like what your your new project is kind of case in point a new reinvention of yourself yeah though it is odd in that it is it's the first thing I've done as myself I yeah. I, I I don't know why I kind of felt I'd bite the bullet. I, 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 I suppose I want the freedom maybe to do stuff there. You know, I, I, you know, hopefully so there isn't just comedy and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. It just seemed right that I'd do it now and uh, under my own name. And, uh, you know, uh, but then again, there's that idea of like, well it's almost like you're looking at it and you're kind of saying well who am I though what am I you know <laughs> what is Paul yeah, yeah. you're almost there you know it seemed you know it does seem easy in a way you know that oh I have this character characters who are probably more sure of themselves than I am you know they they know who they are what they are but in saying that I I I kind of am it feels okay at the moment but I, I do think it has that even within that umbrella, you might say, although most people haven't seen it. I mean, I've got about 40 songs, like, written that, so they are being drip-fed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, people are loving the new single, you know, and we're seeing all these different different versions, and I love the Patrick McDonnell. Yes, I know. Nice but, fit, uh, nice fit with the, with the two of you. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah, quite, he's quite a very power. good friend of mine. <laughs> like Patrick, I'll be on to Patrick probably almost every day, you know, so... You know, and he's a man who likes to give out like me as well. I know, I know people say, oh, God, people don't like people who moan, who moan and give out all the time. But if they're funny, Jesus, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Patrick's hilarious. So, um, you know, but yeah, he's got that great thing that Joe has, just this brilliant physical, you know, just they're so funny, just physically and naturally funny like Patrick can just as I say just raise his eyebrows and uh, <laughs> that was what I noticed with Joe Rooney as well you know like just doing the live gigs he, he just seemed to be able to do all these just physically so funny you know um and um so yeah no but I, yeah I was pleased that like people liked the single I was very I was pretty nervous bringing it out you know and I, and that song was written Back in 2017, really. Wow, wow. They probably changed a little bit before it saw the light of day, uh, but it was pretty much 
uh, written then. And, uh, you know, on quite a few things I've written, there was a period when I wrote a load of these. Uh, and uh, then I've a whole bunch of other ones that are more recently written. But now there's that whole thing, oh God, I don't know, which one will I bring out next and what will I do? I think I'm going to have a, a little, I think maybe in about two weeks I'll have and bring out another single. Yeah, and, yeah. The difficult uh, second single. Yes, the difficult seconds <laughs> that I am typically overthinking. Um, yeah, yeah. You know. But I mean, the one that you did where you, you asked for suggestions from people. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was crazy that you, you put together a song from people. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. But like, there were some right. brilliant ones. I was kind of envious because I was kind of thinking, Jesus, these are showing me up. There, there, there was a couple of them that were real. You know, there were people. What was funny was, you know, I don't like this and I don't like that and there was others yeah. some people had ones that were brilliant that were real like one guy who was actually in that punk band in the 70s um, and he said I don't like bunting I hate bunting <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant thing to hate and uh, you know but he really did dislike it <laughs> and uh, you know so yeah it was a fun idea of uh, probably you know it was fun doing it but it was to drag out the life out of that single. <laughs> I mean, oh, I don't you think really I set a task for yourself, didn't you? Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Suggestions and putting them into a, making them into a song. I mean, you know. But yeah, the, the problem was, yeah, the, the, there was lots of brilliant suggestions. But then I had to make, then I had to come up with things that rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and uh, you know, so there was probably a few fell by the wayside because there just wasn't a rhyme for. <laughs> Um, although there was those in, I did manage to get most of them in in the in between lines that you didn't have to rhyme. So, yeah. uh, um, so bunting, yeah, I could see that was <laughs> problem rhyming. <laughs> it was an obvious uh, issue there. I, I think it's probably fair to say. But um, so I, I think I, yeah, there's another bit of a song I think I'm going to bring out maybe before. If I can finish it on time before I bring out the single, but it'll be more like just a bit of a, I'll oh, hear something to keep you in the meantime. Like I've kind of got it written and half recorded, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know? But it doesn't seem like it's a full on singly type thing. I'll, I'll probably stick it up on Spotify, all right. But, um, yeah. you know, so. But, I mean, what's like, your writing process, Paul? Do you have a, do you have a, do you sit down and, are you one of these people that kind of sits down and says, right, I'm going to sit and I'm going to do something yeah, I do. I, I, and put them together? Or how do you work? I do get it. Yeah. Well, ideas, you know, there are ideas just come out of the blue sometimes. And, you know, uh, and sometimes cycling, I'm there and I'm, you know, I, I, you know, I'm out on the bike and, you know, I'm typing it into the phone. Or something, <laughs> oh, something you know, you know, that happens. But yeah, no, I would be someone who would, deliberately sit down to try and do things and I you know in fact I can remember during the crash like you know and things were you know I was pretty badly off at the time that Mm. you know and I do remember you know if someone wanted to know what an unemployed workaholic was like that was me I was I was still like doing stuff all the time so I do spend a lot of time doing stuff and spend ages thinking them out and thinking what they're doing at every stage you know even the recording of trying this out and trying that out oh will strings work there oh maybe they won't oh maybe they will and i'm doing doing three and four versions and doing doing the song trying it in four different tempos to see which one works and wow 
So I do, yeah, I would be inclined to go overboard. A bit, a bit indecisive. You know, I, I remember in art school, they did say that, I, I, you know, that you'd have a poster design and I'd design four. And yeah. they'd say, no, you're not allowed to do that now because <laughs> you need to learn to make a choice you know and uh but i didn't uh and so i still do that thing of you know and unfortunately with technology now and you know having pro tools and all these things yeah, yeah. It, it allows you to do that sort of thing as well so it's probably a thing but i mean that would be how i'd work in terms of lyrics in terms of comedy stuff it would be lyrics for straight you know or the, uh, the premise for straight the idea and the premise for it seems to me with comedy music well maybe almost all songs in terms of lyrical content or in my case anyway i think once you've the premise the rest of the song kind of writes itself to a degree yeah, yeah. you know but some of the things I like best are where I come up with the music ideas. It, it is kind of funny because I uh, say in stuff I've been doing, uh, you know, I'd give, I would give it out, them out to people and say, what do you think? What do you think of these? Which do you think is the best? Or which one do you think I need to work on? And uh, the way it, it's kind of funny then, I, I had this problem. The musicians I know would all pick these very musical ones where the music probably came first and then comedians or whatever or more wordy types, journalistic-y type people that I know would pick the uh, would pick would pick the ones that you know the words came first. So it it, it is a bit of a dynamic there in a way. (laughs) You know, but um, I probably like both, but um, I wish I, I probably I, I would like to be able to probably let people hear the more musical ones because people probably have heard a lot of the comedic or humorous stuff. I think the stuff I'm doing, I'm not, you know, the, the this stuff like, but I like you or whatever. I, I don't imagine it to be a song that you would do in a comedy club, you know, because it just it doesn't have those big laughs kind of thing that, you know, you need to get or whatever you know but I kind of didn't I I, that was well that's one thing with this project I kind of like Randy Newman I wouldn't go down well in a comedy club I would (laughs) you know it's just not big laughy enough yeah yeah not to say he's not brilliant you know and I kind of wanted to be liberated from the idea of you know you know having to have these laughs at all these points so I kind of thought you know I I I think I'd like the idea that they're humorous or whatever of course yeah you know so I like the idea that they will be somehow a mixture of something but I'm not I don't really intend to do them in comedy clubs or anything like that I mean I did you know I did comedy clubs you know um but I kind of don't want to do that with this you know I kind of think I want to do it I mean in fairness I think Tim Minchin has probably done both things very well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's very musical at times, but you know, obviously, he can do it. In a, you know, it's comedy. There's no question about that. You know, people do laugh out loud. You know, at the right amount of times. Yeah, yeah. But again, he obviously was frustrated to the degree that he wanted to do something that wasn't comedy. But even the ones that aren't comedy, they 
sort of have a comic sensibility or something, don't they? Though, mm. then you look at like what he did with Matilda. Do you know what I mean? All these stage music yeah. things that he's writing. So he's, you know, it's good to have all these different strings, I suppose. And as I yeah. said, you're you're very much a chameleon. You know, yeah, I know. All these it, different strands to your. Yeah, I don't know why that is. I'm not quite. I I think there was definitely an element of hiding behind uh, comic personas. I I kind of think uh, I struggle to say straight out what I think about certain things. You know, I, yeah. I like yeah. it's this kind of thing. You know, you you kind of you kind of think, oh, you should go on Twitter. You know, you need to really get on there. <laughs> and you know, if you're going to try and uh, promote yourself you need to be on there you know but I, I kind of go on Twitter and I just see a lot of people I know and journalists and they've all these opinions and people saying you need to engage with those opinions you know you comment on that and I just kind of like oh god I, I just nah. don't sometimes it's better just not don't, just uh, don't get involved <laughs> yeah I do yeah you know I just kind of oh god I don't I don't really feel like saying that straight out I think I say things that I think in either through characters or through songs or through some kind of yeah. nonsense. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think it comes out that way. And obviously, Ding Dong was pretty very much making a point. But there's something about doing making a point as a character. There's a kind of a blur. You know, it's not as black and white, really. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, your character who has an opinion you don't agree with. But there's this grey area where you're kind of saying, well, maybe he's a little bit of a point even if he's, you think he's wrong ultimately, but you know, or, you know, whereas you're on Twitter, you're, you're kind of saying, you, you seem to have to pretty well. Nail yeah. That. You're kind no. of laid bare, aren't you? I suppose on Twitter, yeah. you know, you just it's not very visual. I think I like yeah. that, you know, some of the other platforms are more visual you know, and, and all of that, but you know, so that probably would be, yeah, but yeah, Twitter's pretty scary as well. That's the other thing on Facebook. Just everybody tells you, you know, everybody's nice to everybody on Facebook. <laughs> you know, gets bad press and everything, you know, and Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. And, I know it is what it is, isn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah, you know, but like, like, you know, it's like a word out of place there and you're going to know all about it. You know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, being a, obviously you're a very musicy person. Talk a bit about music now. Can yeah. you tell us a bit about the artists and bands that have kind of you've loved over the years? Um, I, yeah, I've thought about this at different times. Again, probably typically, you know, would I have had uh, favourite songs? You know, at, at different times, my favourite songs would have been very different. Uh, you know, I grew up, my, my being into music was first with glam rock really you know yeah, t-rex yeah. was you know ish for me in some ways you know and for some reason why i seem to like the idea of you know i i, I you know i'm not particularly skinny but the ultimate rock star look the new york dolls skinny blokes wearing makeup and tight jeans tight yeah, trousers yeah. that to me is the ultimate rock star I, I think there's a video trash with the new york dolls and i don't really like the new york dolls that much but i like the look of them you know, um, but that would have been my first inter interest in it. But in terms of music, I've liked, uh, I, I, I would be a very wide bunch of things, but I would have to say, yeah, the Beatles, of course, mm -hmm. like, 
know, but I would probably similar to Neil Hannon in some ways. I, you know, one thing I probably realised I did like a lot of the same music as he did. Um, but things like Burt Bacharach and um, I love that kind of what people might call easy listening music from the yeah, 60s. Yeah. Burt Bacharach, um, you know, Jimmy Webb. And, remember, and more recently, um, my my son, who has got into music in a big way, mm-hmm. um, he's 16, and he's really got an eclectic taste, but he badgered me into watching a, a film about the Sherman Brothers, uh, who wrote practically all the Disney songs. Oh, right, OK. And, you know, and I'm kind of thinking, and I never really thought about those guys, and I kind of think, Jesus, if there's anybody who would have had an influence on me, sure, it has to be the Sherman Brothers. Everybody wants to be a cat, you know, from all these Mary Poppins songs. And I kind of think these guys were amazing, like these songs that everybody knows. They must be the, in fact, of a certain generation, they must be the most influential people ever, <laughs> if you actually think about it. But, and you know, and I kind of thought, Jesus, quite a bit of what I'd be at would be a bit like that stuff, really. And, um, you know, so there's a whole strand of it. And I can remember this kind of, these two guys that I was doing a band with in the early 80s. And it was kind of funny because this stuff with bands like the Associates and things like this, they were into music kind of like this. And these guys were saying they were into this. And then when I said I was going to see Petula Clark in the National Concert Hall and I was kind of listening to Petula Clark and ABBA and they were saying, I can't do this. They were doing more serious rock. And, you know, it was all, you know, Crosby, Stills and Ash and Young, who I do like as well, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. But like, you know, it was like, oh, I just can't. I really, honestly, Petula Clark, I can't go there. You know, that kind of <laughs> You know, but I, you know, I would have been interested in, in all of that stuff. But, but in, you know, loads of different things, all the Trevor Horn things in the eighties. You know, I, I, what I like. I, 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 at one stage, my favorite song after seeing the Deer Hunter, oddly enough, was "Can't Take My Eyes Off You." Yeah, yeah. The Andy Williams version, actually, which wasn't the one in the film, but that was the um, the Jersey Boys. Guys, it's whatever you know that film. Oh, Jersey. Frankie Valley. Frankie Valley, yeah, you know who did the original of it. But you know, that was you know my favorite song. But but yeah, very influenced with that. But also, I, I you know, what I probably honestly would have to say, I was never very into classical music for whatever uh-huh. reason. I don't really know why. Uh, you know, obviously, there's classical things I like like anybody would like you know yeah, that I put yeah, yeah. hands and goodness what but um jazz I did jazz I was more into really um you know and I certainly went through my period of liking that stuff not that I can play it yeah and jazz it, really divides people doesn't it <laughs> it does but I you know I'd be into you know Miles Davis and yeah Mingus and all of these the, the modern guys really you know those Jungle Train, and, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever, um, Horace Silver, these kinds of people. Um, and um, my nephew, of course, who plays on um, But I Like You, he's, he like, he's study jazz, like, he is a jazz piano player, you know, he's brilliant, like, um, 
in fact, I think, you know, on a couple of the things you do, a Thelonious Monk uh, type solo. Like, I like the idea, you know, he, he's great at making the thing sound quirky as well. And I said, yeah, yeah. Give me a bit of Thelonious Monk in there, <laughs> throw some bit of that into that maybe. And, you know, and he he would be able to do that. I think, you know, definitely like some of the songs are sort of swing. It was why I think when I Kino came along and mm. and then Copperface Jacks, I also did, I didn't do the lyrics of that, um, but I did half of the music. There was another guy, Dave McCune, did the other half. It was a very, it was a very agreeable project. It was, um, I have to say, it was fun to do. Uh, and then I, I didn't meet the other musician. We didn't work on anything together, but he's the nicest bloke. Like, I have to say, we got on like a house and fire, even though we were, I suppose, in theory, competitors in thing about, you know, but it sort of didn't come out that way uh, or whatever. But um, yeah, but I, I kind of think just being into all of that different kind yeah, of music yeah. in that way, musicals, it, it does work well for musicals, it has to be said. And obviously that tradition of swing type music or whatever would probably evolve from swing type music, you know, and Cole Porter and all of those and Rodgers and Hammerstein and all those. And I would have been into that kind of thing, you know, in a way as well. I suppose I, you know, would have heard that just growing up, you know, and my sister's playing the sound of music all the time and all, you know, but I, I would be into that stuff. But I was into other kind of music you know hard rock you know I was into Led Zeppelin I was into uh, Thin Lizzy um, saw Thin Lizzy twice you know all through the 80s various different yeah. things I was into Joy Division wow. um, was into um, was I into Frankie Goes to Hollywood yeah Trevor Horn a lot of these things yeah. whatever and of course, I was, you know, I was, I was very much taken by the new romantic thing. Another excuse to wear makeup. Yeah, makeup. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, another reason I was body fired was, yeah, wearing, uh, going into the gas company in 81, you know, with stars on my face going into work. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that was, that was another, that was another uh, Disastrous, but yeah, sorry, anyway. Yeah, I mean, is it true you were Ziggy? Was it Ziggy Stardust Priest? In yeah, I was the Ziggy Priest. Uh, <laughs> Ted. That was proper makeup, makeup job on that one. Yeah, I could see what they were thinking. Funny enough, the night we shot that, I was um, seeing this night in the Ormond Multimedia Centre, as it was, which was a pretty mad place uh, where they used to have raves and everything. But they had they were they were getting shut down for the raves. The police kept coming in and <laughs> shutting down. And so they ran this other night where they kind of uh, had a bit of like <laughs> performance artists and things like this, and then playing these kind of slower tempo dance tunes. And then eventually it would end up into a kind of a rave. <laughs> So there were all these people, it was the maddest thing, and I was emceeing it all done up in makeup and all the rest. And, and uh, so, but you know, but the, the audience was, and there was comedians doing this, but the audience were all eat off their heads, you know, <laughs> chewing and uh, drooling, you know, and uh, 
uh, they weren't remotely interested in anybody telling jokes like uh, you know and then and then the, the rave would start and then the police would come and tell them to play different records it's pretty mad the idea the police were telling people what kind of music they could play um it was pretty mad but but that night i, I was um, the night of shooting that scene of the Ziggy Stardust Priest, I was um, seeing it. So I kept the makeup on and I wore the Ziggy Priest makeup for to MC that night. And Arthur and Graham came along to that night actually as well. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, that was a bit of a <laughs> mad thing that happened. My bad, mad memory that. Yeah, that's one of those episodes, isn't it, that everyone remembers? Yeah, it, it is. so vivid, it, you know. yeah. It's um, obviously I was unrecognizable in it, um, <laughs> so it isn't like, like people don't realize, you know. But it's yeah, it was also about three doors, it was shot in a hall three doors down from where my cousins lived, um, yeah, which was also a little strange because that series was shot, a lot of it was shot in Dublin, and uh, you know, the next ones were shot down in Clare or whatever. Mm. You know, so and then it's time and in that kind of area, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was shot in Rush, that scene in the hall there. Um, so yeah, that, yeah, yeah. There the, the was characters in Ted, Greyhound Racing track owner, and then I, I probably would have got to do other priests. Sonny, I had long hair then, so my hair. If you look closely, my hair is all tucked up under. <laughs> um, and, and it's right down to my waist almost. Uh, uh, sadly, that's something that's not possible anymore. <laughs> but, uh, then there was um, the one um, where I was the taxi driver for for another probably pretty famous episode, the kick up the arse. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, bringing uh, Bishop Brennan in the taxi. <laughs> so, Father Len. <laughs> yeah. He, he, was kind of yeah there was mad I remember them doing the stunt the stunt man who was there who did that was the same guy who did you know who's on the cross in the mission going down the waterfall That's oh really stunt man. yeah <laughs> I can't remember was he called Bronco or something like that. <laughs> it's a bit of a stunt man name you know, he's a very crazy guy because they all sort of said that you know yeah you know they're pretty crazy those stunt guys be crazy to go up like You'd think it was, you know, it was the days before, you know, they could do that thing. Yeah, we're, you know, I mean, who would go upside down on a cross? <laughs> Jesus, you know, it's. Um, uh, those were the days. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, this idea that stand up is scary uh, it looks pretty lame when you. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. And I mean, like, you think like stuntmen on Father's Head, you're kind of like. I know. Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, it wasn't a, probably wasn't a particularly difficult stunt. Just <laughs> weren't going to get um, the actors were too valuable. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I would have got me to do it now, but uh, <laughs> I would have got to do my own. Although, yeah, I wouldn't be great at stunts. I think. Although, I, I, my niece is my niece does stunt work. Um, I have a niece who's a stunt artist. She does oh my it God. on Vikings and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> very creative family <laughs> obviously that that gene recessed uh, that was uh you know was uh it skipped a generation <laughs> not, yeah. yeah well thanks so much for for chatting yeah. with us today paul it's been an absolute pleasure 
Oh, yeah, I enjoyed it myself, yeah. Enjoyed myself, yeah, talking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.